I'm John Crawl. Coming up on No Limits, we're going to take a look at the upcoming TEDx event on October 22nd. TED stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design, and the organization's events are designed to share ideas worth spreading. We're going to talk about some of the ideas that will be shared at the Indianapolis TEDx conference. My guests will be event organizer Jim Walker of Big Car, event speaker LaShonda Crow Storm, and MC Davey Rothbart. Please join the conversation by calling 1-866-476-3881, emailing nolimits at wfyi.org, or connecting via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Now, this news. Limits is made possible by WGU Indiana, Indiana's eighth state university. Information about earning a degree from WGU, an accredited online nonprofit university, is available at indiana.wgu.edu. And by Apparatus, managing IT infrastructure so companies don't have to. It's advanced IT made simple. Learn more at apparatus.net. Welcome to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism. Publisher of the statehousefile.com and your host. We are talking today about the upcoming TEDx event here conference in Indianapolis on October 22nd. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to no limits at wfyi.org or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at wfyi. My guests in the studio right now are Jim Walker, who is the TEDx organizer. He's with Big Car. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks, John. Glad to be here. It's good to have you here. And LaShonda Crowstorm, who is going to be a speaker at TEDx. LaShonda, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good afternoon, Indianapolis. <laughs> it's good to have you here. And we will be joined a little bit later by the MC for the event, uh, Davey Rothbart, who's expected to call in in about 20 minutes. Well, uh, Jim, could you get us started just by explaining a little bit what TEDx is, what the organizing principle is, what people can expect? So um, many people might be familiar with uh, online videos that are TED Talks. So um, there's a national organization that uh, puts on a, an annual conference, um, in has been in California, it's moving now to Vancouver this year, and at these conferences, which is their large annual conference, they record the videos, and, and many of these videos are shared all over by people around the world. And they also do conferences in other countries and other uh, city-related conferences, women-related conferences, youth-related conferences. But then they started to share the, the TED brand and the structure of TED with uh, cities around the world, and these are called TEDx. So a local group um, organizes that conference, puts that on, and kind of has their own way of delivering that within the sort of structure that TED kind of has. And if people want to attend this conference, how do they go about doing that? Um, it's October the 22nd, so you, um, tickets are still available. Um, the conference will be at Hilbert Circle Theater. Um, the Symphony, uh, the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra is a partner on this conference along with Indiana Humanities and the International School of Indiana. So those partner organizations, along with the one I work for, Big Car, are organizing this with a lot of other people involved. So people can it, it, can buy tickets at $65 or $75 if you want lunch. Uh, it's an all-day conference. Come get a cool swag bag with all kinds of surprise stuff that you'll get that day. Is there a URL that you yeah, can drive TEDx to? Yeah, TEDxIndianapolis.com. LaShonda, how did you get involved in this? What 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 is your interest in TEDx? Uh, well, I was asked by Jim to if I would participate this year. Uh, but I've been working with BitCar for about, I guess, about four or five years now. Kind of, Everything kind of mushes mm -hmm. together. But uh, I worked on TEDx last year with uh, BitCar, and I was asked to participate this year. What do you plan to talk about? Uh, my talk revolves around how to kind of build community using art. Uh, and I have a project called the Lynch Quilt Project, mm -hmm. which explores the history and ramifications of racial violence using quilting as the vehicle to create these spaces and places where these conversations can occur. 
And I've been doing that at this point about 10 years, and I went from having probably originally 10 volunteers and people who participated to now, and it's almost 3,000 people. And and those 3,000, do they all participate in doing the quilting, or in what ways do they... A lot of them are just supporters because uh, very few people want to quilt. <laughs> uh, but the it's, quilting a, it's an act that requires a, a, a fair degree of patience. Yeah, so uh, that's really the people who are reading the newsletter every month uh, when I send it out, which I'll get back to soon. Uh, but we have people who participate in different ways, so it becomes uh, almost like spinoff projects, which is really, for me, what I wanted for people to start doing their own things. So we have genealogists who work on the project, and they'll – kind of start researching people who've been lynched and try to find out what actually is that history around that person. So my talk is really about what does that look like when you kind of create something and it begins to build and then it takes off on its own. We are talking about uh, the TEDx conference coming up here in Indianapolis. And uh, let's see, I guess it would be about a week, a little more than two weeks from now. Mm -hmm. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to nolimits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Well, what is the organizing principle? Are, are there a certain set of themes that, that we can anticipate at, at this conference, Jim? Yeah, this year the theme is Mix It Up. So we're really exploring ideas of collaboration, um, ways that people can work together, ways that we have uh, 22 speakers. We have several performers who will be collaborating with. So Time for Three from the symphony um, will be collaborating with a beatboxer. So we're so there's a good mixture of talks about collaboration, about mixing it up in various ways, and also just performances and activities that people can do that kind of get the attendees to mix it up themselves creatively, the way they think, the way they look at things. So we really feel like collaboration and looking at um, our city, looking at the world through this theme of Mix It Up was a really, we think that's a really important thing to explore. And who are some of the speakers other than LaShonda? Yeah, so we have we have people coming from all over the world um, and local speakers. So it's kind of a 50-50 mix. Um, I'm excited about, you know, there's a, there's a range of um, people from this guy named Stephen Johnson, who's uh, in his 70s, who has been a He's a cartoonist who invents these not really feasible things that are kind of like almost they're almost he's almost a futurist by like inventing these these the doing these drawings of these crazy inventions like a, a a hot tub car where you can sort of sit in the hot tub and drive the car. Um, he's going to be there speaking. There are people from the realm of technology um, who are like this guy named John Havens who did the um, hacking happiness event. So try it. How can you use technology to increase happiness? Um, there are local people who are here, in addition to LaShonda, people like um, Kristen Wright, who's uh, speaking about immigration. Um, she's worked with immigrants here in Indianapolis. And um, there's, a, there's a, a man who's been here with us for a couple months from France named Florian Revere, who's an urban hacker who goes around urban spaces, sort of transforms them in these really minimal ways. Um, who's an artist in residence with us that was supported by the Ephraimson Family Fund to make that possible. Well, Shonda, with, with your talk, um, I'm going to ask two questions of you here. With your talk, what do you hope the audience to carry, carry away? And are you going to be at the conference in a capacity other than speaker? Are you planning to attend any of the other events? But let's start with the first one first. What do you hope the audience will gain from, from listening to you? I hope the audience gains looking at ways that you can take really difficult topics in our community and find a way to have really constructive dialogues around that and what that looks like. And are you going to be attaining, attending any of the other? I'm not even sure because it sounds like you've got a real potpourri of, of approaches here. It's not just a, a lecture format or some such. A, a lot of it's interactive and all of that. What things would you find attractive or would you plan to attend? Well, I'll the be there from the beginning to the end. Okay. So I, I plan on attending it all, and I'm pretty sure that I'm going to find a lot of it interesting. I'm definitely interested in this Reese Wilson, which runs the Laundromat Project. Mm -hmm. uh, Tasha, and what's that? Uh, Jim, can you explain Jim. that? Yeah, this is based out of Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, they, 
wanted to find a way to connect with people through our um, right where they were. So instead of having a museum that you invite people to come to, they went and started doing public programming at laundromats. So they would get permission from the laundromat owner and say, hey, can we have a film festival in your laundromat? Can we can we engage with people who are there and get them to be part of projects? And so an artist could, like myself or LaShonda, could get a residency at the laundromat in Brooklyn, and we could go and do programming there for a certain amount of time. And they've been doing that for several years, and uh, she's, she's the one who kind of founded that project. We are talking about TEDx, the upcoming TEDx conference here in Indianapolis. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to nolimits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Davy Rothbart, who is the TEDx MC, has joined us now by phone, I understand. Davy, welcome to the program. Thanks so much. Certainly. It's good to have you here. Um, tell me a little bit about what what you plan to do at uh, at the TEDx conference. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll be, I'll be hosting the event as the MC, and also I'll be sharing uh, an interesting project of my own. I wrote a, a TED book this past year, and... I've been traveling around the country for years doing Found Magazine, which is a magazine that collects notes and letters and you know personal to-do list journal entries that people have found on the ground in the street. It's a way to glimpse into the lives of strangers. Just do a little scrap of paper you saw blowing down the street. Well, I've also learned that it's it's really fascinating to get to know actual people whose paths we cross. You know, someone sitting next to you on the bus, someone waiting next to you at the bus stop. I love engaging with strangers, and so. What I'm going to be doing is uh, collecting questions from the audience, things that they would want to ask a stranger, you know, what, whether it's something personal or funny or soulful. And then I'm going to ask a volunteer from the audience to come up on stage, and I'm going to grill them with these questions from the audience. Now, of course, it'll be, you know, I'll grill them in a friendly way. And it's really about, it's an exercise in getting to engage with people and getting to know the strangers whose, whose paths we cross all the time. Is this, uh, I mean, uh, and I'll pose this question to all three of you, is uh, a lot of this, um, it sounds like the animating spirit behind uh, the TEDx events, is to try to break down some of the artificial barriers or constraints that we have in terms of engaging with art, engaging with our surroundings, engaging with other people. Is that valid, Jim Jim Walker? Yeah, I I think that Everybody who does their own TEDx event, in a, say in Austin or L.A. or wherever, they may do it a different way. So the engagement part of it is probably part of that. Um, the TED, the TED events themselves are all like that. So I've attended a national TED event, and it has these opportunities for people to get um, to engage with each other and interact. Um, I think here this is especially a focus, and it's a focus for Lashonda and the art that she does, and all the work that Davy does. And it's big car. That's what we are all about is engaging with people through art. So I think that that's sort of the, you know, has become because of all the people who are involved and the other partners who are involved has become central to this particular location, even though it may be a little less in other cities, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely at the core of what we want to do with this. Davey, and that, uh, even in the exercise that you're talking about, about having somebody come up and, as you say, politely grill them, but get some sense of who they are and what their experience is. What do you hope the members of the audience or the observers of that experience to carry away from it? I, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, I hope, I hope that people, first of all, learn how, how easy it is to engage with people once you just, you know, make that leap of faith and decide to ask the first question, decide to, you know, talk to a stranger. Um, I, I hope that they'll also learn how willing people are to open themselves up. When you show genuine curiosity and compassion and kindness, people want to share their stories. And it's, it, it's, it's almost surprising how willing people are to, to, to want to engage it once, once they've been asked to. LaShonda, in terms of the barriers that you would like to see removed as part of this, what, what's the, the big one that you would like to get out of, out of your... I'm not even sure I would call that a talk, more a presentation <laughs> or a performance or an exhibition in, in real time. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of all of that. Um, 
Okay, so there was like three questions in that well, one. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you I'll give you one because we're getting a little okay. close. What you know, the barrier that you would like to see the audience at least recognize and perhaps break down. That I mean, there are some really difficult conversations that need to happen in our community and in our country, and it is possible to do it. And if anything, this project shows how you could take something that's almost taboo in our culture to talk about and find a way to approach it in a way that people will come to the table and talk about it. Because what I find, just like Davia said, is that people want to talk about stuff. What they are really looking for oftentimes is the feeling of permission that it's okay for me to talk about this and not be judged to talk about it. We are talking about the TEDx conference coming up here in Indianapolis. My guests are Jim Walker, LaShonda Crowstorm, and Davey Rothbart. I'm John Crawl. You're listening to No Limits. Please stay with us. Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Crawl, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of the statehousefile.com, and your host. We are talking today about the upcoming TEDx conference here in Indianapolis on October 22nd. My guests are the TEDx organizer, Jim Walker of Big Car, LaShonda Crowstorm, who is going to be speaking at the conference, and Davey Rothbart, who is going to be the MC. LaShonda, before we went to the break, you were talking about how there are certain things that perhaps we are reluctant as a society and culture to talk about, and that there are ways to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things, I guess, in, in that, given that that your project or your means of doing that is is exploring, um, commemorating the, the world of, of, or the experience of lynching, the history of lynching um, through quilting, how did you arrive at that approach? I mean, that's not that's not an automatically, you know, oh, yeah. Okay. So I would we say... We have a horrific event. Let's go make a quilt. <laughs> yeah, it's much more complicated than that. I would say that I always kind of call myself a themicist about yeah. art because I have particular themes that I kind of latch on to and the materials and the way that that project gets executed is really based on the history of that theme. And so this wasn't my first project about lynching, um, but when I began to continue to do research about the history, when I came to the realization and more history about women and children that had been lynched, I was really floored. It wasn't as if I didn't know that that was a possibility. It's just that when we think about the history of lynching, we're really much more willing to accept that men were lynched and not women and children, and that really changes the dialogue. And um, so I had this image of a woman who had been lynched. And at the time, it was the only image that I knew of that was an image of a woman who had been lynched. How did you come across that image? There was actually a huge traveling exhibition called Without Sanctuary. Almost every city I moved to, it follows me. Uh Uh, But it is a, a, a exhibition of postcards that were gathered that are all about lynching because historically uh, lynching is documented through the creation of postcards that were commemorative postcards about lynching that were sold at basically your corner general store. And so I had this one about a woman and it's actually her and her son that are lynched together. And I've had it for a long time and I didn't know what to do with it. So I kind of like, let me try this project. Didn't make sense. Let me try that. And so going back to just my roots as an artist, like how does the theme dictate the actual materials you used? Well, I thought about what are art forms that are typically in America associated with women. Well, that is kind of quilting and those kind of home handicrafts. And what is an art form that if we really want to have a community conversation that allows people to come to the table? And again, quilting is the one that does that because it can be a quilting bee. It can be a place where lots of people add their skills to it or add their fabric, their material. And that's how it started. And just to keep in mind, I'm not a quilter. I'm actually a bronze sculptor. So I had to go find a group of people in the beginning who were willing to teach me how to sew, teach me how to quilt, and be willing to talk about this history. It sounds like, I mean, and I'm, I've got a couple more questions on this. I know I'm probably pulling us far afield from from the TEDx conference, but I'm interested in this. It sounds like I remember years ago when I was traveling in Taiwan and went to the to the Royal Museum there. One of the artifacts that they <laughs> that Chiang Kai Shek's um, refugees pulled out when when the communists took over was this really ancient food bowl. 
um, and it was a children's bowl. The symbols at the bottom of it were, were supposed to be an instructive lesson about the family history and Chinese history, so that the idea of this everyday, you know, the child had to eat at least two or three times a day, would be getting, you know, some instruction as part of that very everyday process. In some ways, it sounds like the the thinking in terms of the quilting was you take this everyday thing, you drape it over your legs or you do whatever, and you're going to get a reminder of a piece of history that perhaps you would prefer not to think about. I also wanted to ask real quickly, though, uh, since the, the spur was the woman and and the child, what happened to them? I mean, what was, uh, other than obviously they were lynched, but what was the story there? Well, there's kind of different stories, and that's what happens with the history of lynching. You've got all these different ones. But basically it comes down to uh, possibly cattle rustling and meat having been stolen. Uh, they, Her husband had been convicted of the crime and had already been sent off to a different prison. Her and her son and her at the time, from my understanding, she had a two-year-old child that was also in jail with her. They were in, still in jail, although they had been told that, you know, we know that you didn't do it, but they were still locked up for some reason. Then one night, the uh, a lynch part, a mob party came and dragged them out and took them on a bridge and lynched them. And where, where was this? This was on May 11th, uh, May 25th, 1911 in Okima, Oklahoma. And that's about 45 minutes south of Tulsa. Oh, boy. Interesting story. Um, and not a piece of history that I think most people would be would be aware of. What do you think the most surprising, Jim, Jim Walker, the most surprising thing people will learn by going to the TEDx conference? I think it'll be a... I, I like the idea of not only the speakers mixing it up within their own talk, but you know, the connections between the talks. So I think that what they'll learn is probably something that would be hard for me to say right now, but I think it'll be, I know from our experience last year, we did this last year for the first time and it was at the IMA. And I think what a lot of people came away with was connections between the talks. So what could a talk about technology have to do with quilts, uh, subject matter wise or otherwise? But I think people will see these connections and see that um, you know, technology, design, history, all of these things have have lots of commonalities. And I think by sitting there and getting to hear various perspectives, you'll be able to combine those things and take away your own ideas. And then um, our hope is that you can take that and do something with it. So that's not just a passive experience. There's listening. But there's also processing and then this opportunity to do something with what you hear and do. We are talking about the upcoming TEDx conference in Indianapolis. It'll take place on October 22nd. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to nolimits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Davey Rothbart, in some ways, uh, this sounds to me almost like a 21st century version of a Chautauqua. Is that a fair assessment? I think so. I think so. I mean, it's... Uh, we probably ought to really explain what a Chautauqua is in case there are people who don't, who don't know that. Yeah, it, yeah for, for, any, for anyone out there who isn't aware, maybe, maybe you can put it into lamest terms for them. Yeah, what a Chautauqua is, it, it, well, there, was, there is a place in Chautauqua, New York, but it was a, really a gathering um, that was designed to bring sort of intellectual, cultural stimulation. It became kind of a traveling... Uh, experience in the late 19th century, early 20th century, where lecturers, performers, all sorts of people would come. Uh, and, you know, given the technology and the communications technology of the time, that was the most efficient way to deliver those experiences. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and what, what is so special about these TED events, and, you know, I've, I've seen all, all the great events that Big Car has put on in Indianapolis for the last several years, you know, doing such great work as I think they share this quality with, with the TED conferences that, that I've seen. It's just that what seems like it, it would be medicine, you know, you, you think you're going to learn and it's because it's good for you, but actually there's, like, great joy and fun in in the discoveries that happen at, at an event like this. You know, learning, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, sour-tasting medicine. It can be mm -hmm. inspiring. 
it can, as Jim said, it can, you know, you can go home with something where it inspires you in your own work and, and really, you know, brings great ideas forth with, with whatever it is that you're working on in your own life. So I think, I think having this amazing array of speakers who are experts in their own field and, and illuminating really fascinating things that people aren't, are not aware of as much like Lashanda's this history project, um, you know, it's the kind of thing you walk away with it changed in some way, and that's really remarkable. What, Davey, I'm going to stay with you for a second, but what makes a, a successful TEDx conference or experience? I, I, I think, I think if, some, if people laughed, people are laughing, you know, that means they're engaged. If, if people tear up at some point during the day, if people meet other interesting people at this event, you know, there's going to be 800 attendees. So, you know, just, just the connections that you'll make in real life with people that you'll end up knowing for, for years to come, those are elements of, of a success, of a successful event. Um, but I think there's also an X factor. You know, there's, as Jim said, it's, um, you know, there's things that come out of these events that, that there's a kind of magic that's not quite predictable, but that always seems to occur. And what, uh, well, I'll, I'll, Jim, I will jump to you real quickly and, and just ask, in terms of the experience that, that people have here at the TEDx event, what, well, what do you think they go looking for from it? And then I have a follow-up as well. Well, I think if they know about TED, they're looking for the big ideas. You know, they're looking for these these ideas that are kind of like aha moments where you listen and mm-hmm. and you find that um, you know that idea that this person is sharing that is going to trigger trigger a further thought or reaction. And like Davey says, they might be funny ideas, they might be serious ones, they might be something that moves you emotionally, they might be just an idea that helps um, you you become a smarter person or a more engaged person. Um, so I think that from TED, that's where people are coming. I think people who are coming, who are just, who are who know about Big Car and know about the other partners, Indiana Humanities and and these mm-hmm. groups, are expecting this to be a social experience too. So we build in break times and lunch so that you really have that opportunity to meet other people because it may be this other people who wasn't even, it might be a person who wasn't even a speaker who might be the most inspiring thing that you run into that day. You just interacted with this person and found out who they were, and they're right here in your city, and you just never knew. And I think that's part of it, is just having this really great crowd of people who selected this this day to set aside to be with each other. Now, some of it, I mean, if you've got 22 speakers, uh, I presume some of them have to run concurrently? No, they're all really short. So it's not one of these conferences where you sit there for 45 minutes and one person kind of blathers on. It's like the longest are going to be 10, 15 minutes. 10 so, to 15 minutes? Yeah, and then there's some that are shorter than that. So <laughs> it's it's a busy program with lots of things happening. Is that... Is that a challenge, LaShonda, to discuss the entire history of lynching in 10 to 15 minutes? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I usually do this talking about like 40 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but there are ways that uh, honing in on just giving small examples of actually how we built this community uh, of people who talk about lynching and who become advocates in their own right. And I, I think I'm still morphing my talk, but I think it's going to focus a lot on the people that I've supported to help them go out and do the work in their own communities. And this is in this way with these short talks, it becomes kind of this mashup. So you're, mm-hmm. you get five minutes here, or this 10 minutes of this, 15 minutes of this, and they're right next to each other. Um, it, you don't have this 45 minutes to forget about what the person before was talking about. Because it was only five minutes ago that Lashonda was talking about this, and now there's some music, and now there's this. And I think that that structure is mix it up anyway. So we really feel like you know having people talking about that makes a lot of sense, and it all goes together that way really well. Uh, are they linked by by theme, or is there a co- is there an attempt to create a narrative out of this? And that like if Lashonda is is talking about you know. Um, I'm trying to think of an appropriate word here, commemorating or, you know, at least documenting the history of lynching. Is there then another talk that explores other elements of social injustice or, you know, cultural indifference? It might not be right after hers, but it'll be in there. 
and so these threads will happen and it might be that we figure out another way to follow her talk with something that's different but there's some there's a thread that you might be able you might be able to find there so so some of the connections might be less obvious they might be about you know connecting what she's talking about which is also the community aspect so there might be a, a, a project that involves community and social interaction that is on a you know that is covering a topic that's vastly different than the one she's covering but there may be a, some methodology there that's similar to the to what she's she's been doing we are talking about the upcoming TEDx conference here in Indianapolis on October 22nd if you would like to join the conversation you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881 you can send an email to no limits at wfyi.org or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at wfyi Jim, I'm going to stay with you for a second. How did, uh, in terms of the parameters for these conferences, how did they settle on the TED part of TEDs, the technology, entertainment, and design, and as opposed to <laughs> any other range? I mean, I'm assuming it just wasn't because it just made a nice acronym. That that whole process happened a long time ago. TED has been around for like three decades. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the history of that decision is. I know that um, since then, those categories um, are good because they include just about everything. So, you know, if you put entertainment in there, you can you can include whatever you want. And then design is such a, a broad um, a broad thing. And the same is true with with technology. It could be low tech. It could be high tech. So I think. Thematic those those choices of those three really are kind of all encompassing, mm-hmm. and then and it is a catchy um, acronym that people remember. People remember the TED, Davy Rothbard. Um, in terms of why did why did you get interested or involved in in the TEDx conferences? Sure. Because it sounds like in addition to to emceeing this one, you've also been participant in others as well. Yeah, and I found that. Uh, you know, there's so much content compressed into such a full, one full day that it's really in the days and weeks and even months following that the ideas that were expressed that day, they, they continue to kind of resonate. And you'll find yourself months later thinking about a talk, a short talk, a seven-minute talk or ten-minute talk that someone gave that you heard months ago, but it'll, it'll connect with something that is coming up in your life, um, whether it's something in your creative life or professional life or personal life even. And so I I love the idea of being introduced to 22 big ideas in one day and the the ways that that, you know, lasts and endures in your your mind for for months to come. What's the biggest idea that you've encountered at one of these? You know, one of my favorites is a a TED Talk that uh, Frank Warren, who does the project Post Secret, He's a, a really special guy, and his project, he asked people to send him secrets. Um, but, uh, they, they'll put them on a postcard, decorate it, you know, whatever image they want to draw on there or collage on there, and they'll send him their, their true personal secrets to his house outside of D.C. And Frank gave a talk about sharing your secrets and the power of releasing your secrets. Um, you know, when it's kept inside you, it it can poison you. It can... can can hurt you. Um, putting it out into the world, even if it's just sending it on a, on a postcard anonymously to a stranger, can release it in some way and and uh, and be really deeply meaningful. And so, um, Frank's talk it's, it's available online on the TED website, and it's it's a it's a beautiful talk and and a really powerful project. We are talking about the upcoming TEDx conference here in Indianapolis. It's going to be at the Hilbert Circle Theater in on Monument Circle in Indianapolis. If you would like to join the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. That's a toll-free call. Or you can call email us at no limits at WFYI.org or connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. Again, we're talking about the TEDx conference. My guests are event organizer, TEDx organizer Jim Walker of Big Car, LaShonda Crowstorm, who's going to be speaking at the TEDx conference, and Davey Rothbart, who is the MC. I am John Crawl. You're listening to No Limits. Please stay with us.
Welcome back to No Limits. I am John Krall, director of Franklin College's Pulliam School of Journalism, publisher of thestatehousefile.com, and your host. We are talking today about the upcoming TEDx. That's T as in Thomas, TEDx. I've gotten a, uh, a note from a listener saying they thought I was saying FedEx over and over again. So <laughs> TEDx uh, conference here in Indianapolis on October 22nd at the Hilbert Circle Theater. My guests are TEDx organizer Jim Walker of Big Car, LaShonda Crowe-Storm, who is a TEDx speaker, and Davy Rothbart, who is going to be the TEDx MC. In terms of, uh, I was talking with Davy before we went to the break about the big idea that had stuck with him from, from a TEDx event. Jim, what's the, the big idea that, that's stuck with you? And there's a couple things. One from videos that I've seen, there was a talk that a woman did about um, walking meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of having, I have a lot of meetings all the time, and instead of having meetings where you sit there at a coffee shop or in your office or whatever, she she did this like three minute talk about how she sort of changed her life by going out and walking instead of um, having a meeting that you're sitting down. So you kind of interact with the other person and you just go walking around so we've been starting to do that and it seems like a strange request sometimes but when you do it it kind of works out really well so we had a walking staff meeting with like seven of us and just walked the cultural trail all around the city and floated around between different conversations and one of us had to walk backwards for a little bit to talk to everybody but I think the idea of being up on your feet and walking and so that came just from seeing a video and sort of sparking that idea. How did it change the dynamic in terms of the of the, the meeting? meeting? Yeah. There's less slumping over and less feeling sleepy, I think. Those are two good things that come out of walking. And I think just there was more energy to the conversation and you could also have um multiple con- conversations happening at once in that kind of setup. So you could have a little sidebar and then you could walk back up to the other person and talk to them. So I think that's um you know, that was a really great thing that I just learned from Ted. And then last year, um, in our first TED conference, we had a, a guy named Tim Carter who works at Butler University in their um, their Center for Urban Ecology, and he was talking about this idea of doing a museum without walls that kind of highlights the the city, um, especially on the, the along the waterways of our city. And uh, he just recently announced that he got this 2.9 million dollar grant from. Um, from some federal agency that the education or national science fund, I think. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's great to see that this idea that he was just talking about, that was just an idea back then is now going to be this reality in our city and make a really big difference here. And it was cool to have Tim on the stage sharing about that. And, uh, and he's a really great speaker. And so that's one that stuck with me from last year, in addition to many others. Mm-hmm. Well, Shonda, what's the one that stuck with you? There's many, but one that I really always think about is I can't again can't think of the person's name, but he um, runs an urban garden out in California, and his line is um, "Growing your own food is like printing your own money." And the talk was really about how gardens really revitalize neighborhoods and create economic as well as personal empowerment. And what was it that spoke to you so powerfully about that? Because uh, I think we definitely, I, well, I run an urban garden, too, with mm-hmm. the car. At, but I think that we see so many communities when we talk about our country as being one of the most wealthiest. And then we are watching hunger rates in our country going up. I think it's just amazing to me. And I, I refuse to use the term <laughs> of food insecurity because I think that's it's hunger. And <laughs> we mm-hmm. just need to put the harsh word with it so that we don't forget that it means people don't have food. And I guess from my perspective that it's really a powerful statement that there are other alternatives versus waiting on the grocery store or waiting for other things to happen, that there are other ways that we could try to feed ourselves. We are talking about the upcoming TEDx conference in Indianapolis. You can join the conversation by calling us at 1-866-476-3881. You can send an email to nolimits at wfyi.org, or you can connect with us via Facebook or Twitter at WFYI. LaShonda, you've spoken at these events before, at at these conferences before. Mm -hmm. What's the response 
from an audience member that's meant the most to you? I mean, you're talking about a pretty powerful and <laughs> oh, well. uh, something that could be traumatic. I mean, for a lot of people, I would think releasing, confronting that kind of part of our history could be uh, a wrenching experience for some people. In some ways, it could be a liberating one, too. It is both. Yeah. Um, I would say that the probably the best format that I've had of presenting the project, even though I've done it at conferences and at art galleries, is actually when we presented it at the um, Central Library this year between January through the end of March uh, because it was a very public space and place which these kind of dialogues need to happen in. And you get the range of human emotions. Uh, I'm not going to mention <laughs> some of the things that I was called, uh, but you get a lot of uh, thank yous. Mm -hmm. that I needed to let this go as people talked about their encounters with these histories. Um, I think that sometimes we remember the worst part versus mm -hmm. the best parts, and I was reminded of that when I had a group of um, homeschool kids that I had went to to talk about, and they wanted to pull out all of the comments that we received at the library. And it, uh, when we went through them and divided up between negative comments, you know, positive, supportive comments, that what we really found was that of about 108 that we had about 70 that were positive and supportive for the project and only about 30 that were angry, um, hostile even. What do they get angry? I mean, are there people out there who still defend lynching? No, but, you know, I always say you don't poke at the tiger if you don't want to... Uh, get bit, but you are pushing at very sensitive topics. You release people's anger, your, their own emotional pain, their own trauma, their own associations with this history, uh, their own desire not to confront and talk about the histories. And all of that has to occur. So you have to really be willing to accept that all of that is going to come to the table. So is there anger in, in this case, the, the, you said that they'd called you names and all of that sort of stuff. That mm -hmm. I appreciate you not getting us into trouble with the FCC by using those <laughs> words over the air. But in terms of the the anger, is it is it directed at you just for recording this or? Well, I am I? the vehicle, so it really becomes if you pull back the anger, what you're really finding underneath, from my perspective, is shame in some situations, personal pain, historical pain, things that haven't been addressed. All of that is kind of mixed up in it. We've gotten an email question from a listener who says he's listening now at work, so we should be quiet. Said, I can't attend TEDx. Will audio be available after the fact? Video will be available. Video after the will fact. be available. So where, where will they be able to find it? You can go to channel? TEDxIndianapolis.com to find link to the videos. All the videos from the TEDx's go to the big YouTube pool of TED videos. So it's not only the ones they do at the, the big national and international conferences that they put on, but all the TEDx talks um, go on there. And sometimes they take off and there, the, they go viral, and these talks that might be at TEDx Indianapolis or TEDx Cleveland or something are shared and get a million views, and people are, you know, touched by those videos just the same as the ones from the national conference. Davey Rothbart, uh, you mentioned earlier in the, in the program that... Uh, one of the things you're going to do is is pull a stranger, someone from the audience up on stage and politely, use the term politely, grill them uh, <laughs> to draw them draw them out. It's an exercise you've done before, correct? Yeah, and, and, and I've done it many times, and, and it's always fascinating to hear people's stories. And, and it's actually amazing how how powerfully people will reveal themselves, even when they, they, they're aware that there's a big crowd out there, but they're just talking to me, and, and people will reveal themselves. But what happens when, when somebody shares their story is that other people you know, find themselves recognizing bits of themselves in that person's story. So it's, it's sort of a powerful communal experience. When one person is willing to you know, share personal stuff about their past, um, it, 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 it touches everybody. I, I had a chance to go deeper I've done this on stage, you know, on past Bio Magazine tours, but I made a documentary film that's coming out next month. It's called Medora, and it's about a small town in rural Indiana, Medora, Indiana, a couple hours south of Indy, and uh, got to spend a year. It, it was the same principle. Let's talk to these people in a small town, these high school basketball players, actually. Let's talk to them and their families and find out what's on their minds, 
But then, you know, to spend a year with them, with my co-director, Andrew Cohn, and get a chance to keep, you know, hearing their stories over time, it, it, was, it was really profound to go that deep. But, but it all starts with that initial sense of, hey, it's okay to engage with a stranger. It's okay to roll into a town like Medora that you've never been to before and, and, and just start talking to people. And, and the idea that Lashonda echoed, you know, that people want to share their stories when, when you are willing to engage with them. What's the most surprising thing? Or uh, let me take it beyond that. What is the the exchange that has moved you the most out of those kinds of conversations? In Dallas, Texas, last fall, a woman who you know, and, and typically when people volunteer to come up on stage, I haven't even really told them what what they're volunteering for. So uh, sometimes it's a bit of a surprise that I, I have this pile of questions to start asking them. But I think one of the people asked. Um, a question that I, it's that one that I like. It said, "When was the last time you cried?" And the woman revealed that um, just months before, maybe six months before, she had had a, a miscarriage, and and she, you know, she was emotional talking about it, and that it was emotional for me to hear her speaking so candidly about such a painful experience. Um, but of course, afterwards, you know, people from the audience told me. You know, that they had, they had shared this experience, and it was something they hadn't talked about with a lot of people. So to hear someone speak about it so openly was really moving, and not just for me, but I think for everybody that was there. Are there people who ever refuse to answer your questions? Uh, you know, I, I try to make it a safe space for them, and I tell them, you know, if there's any question you don't want to answer, you know, that's, that's fine. So they know that they have, an, they have an out, you know. But at the same time, I'll, you know, if they're hesitating, I'll, I'll try to, maybe that's, maybe that's the one that I want to hear the answer to. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll gently lean on them to, to share with us. Has there ever been a time when you've asked one of those folks a question that you regretted? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I can't, I can't think of one. I can't, I actually can't think of some of the questions. And these are. Oops. Looks like we just lost <laughs> Davey. In terms of uh, the the TEDx event, we probably ought to tell them since it's a little while, Jim. Uh, Jim, uh, if we could tell people real quickly again, if they want to go to the conference, how they go about doing that, feel free to give them the URL and the ticket information and all of that again. Yeah, if you go to TEDxIndianapolis.com, you can also find us on Twitter at TEDxIND. Um, and on Facebook, if you just search for TEDx Indianapolis, and you can all those places will lead you to um, the Eventbrite where you can order your tickets. Um, it's a full day event. Um, it's an opportunity to to hang out, take a day off. It's a Tuesday. Um, after the event ends, there's going to be a party right by the Circle Theater that people can come to. All this stuff is included in your in your ticket, um, and it. So it's just as simple as just going there and registering. And um, we went from a venue that was 500 total seats last year to one that's um, closer to 1,200 this year. And you've already sold, I think you said, something like 600 tickets. At least that. Yeah, that was the last that I saw. So, um, you know, our goal is to to have everybody who wants to go get to go um, and uh, and just get to meet each other and hear all these ideas and have a good time, you know, things like what Davey's talking about with mm-hmm. turning the tables a little bit so that um, there's not this hierarchy where the speakers are the only ones with a voice. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's crucial to the way we do this, and that, so these other interactive opportunities in, will include ways for people to get their voice out there, their ideas out there. Um, that was the thing that LaShonda helped us with last year. That was mm-hmm. what our crew did. We We had opportunities for people to share their ideas, um, one of them was a partnership with this thing called Neighborland, where people could say what they wish they had in their neighborhood, put it on a sticker, fill it out, get their picture taken with it, um, post it on on the wall where everybody could see it. And so, just recently, Lashonda in, in her in her new work um, has been using that same approach. So it was one of those ideas that came out at the conference that people were able to take and keep on doing around our city to make our city a better 
place. Davey, we got you back now. <laughs> we cut you off in, yeah. uh, in mid-anecdote. I just <laughs> asked you uh, at that point if there had been a question that you'd ever regretted asking in one of your encounters yeah. with audience members. Yeah, it, it, really, it really hasn't happened. Um, but what's, what's interesting is that you know, I'm not the one conceiving these questions. It's the people in the audience themselves, crowdsourced. And so some of the questions have been pretty racy, you know, or, you know, one question I remember that, that often gets asked by a crowd member is, is when did you lose your virginity? Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and so I'm asking that to somebody, of course, you know, they're answering in front of a big crowd, but usually whatever their answer is to that question is, is something pretty humorous and pretty relatable. So, um, you know, it's one great thing about these TED events is it really is a community. And anyone that attends on the 22nd is going to be a part of that community. And it's a community that's nationwide because there's, there's so many great TEDx events put on in, in, in cities around the country. But, but just to, to attend one of these things is a really special event. It's a really special day. And um, I'm looking forward to, to being a part of it. Jim, I'm going to give you kind of the last word here on this. You, we, that theme of community and of engagement and of getting people to, to talk, do the folks who, who come to the to the TEDx conferences, do they tend to stay in touch? I mean, are the relationships that get formed, you talked about the 500, do they, do they form a, a kind of network coming out of this that exists? Well, this is just our second year doing it, and I think um, the first year we were so focused on getting it done and not having anything go go awry or whatever that we didn't really think about follow-ups um, and making sure that we stayed connected. And um, the main thing that we know is that a lot of the people who were there last year are coming back this year. And they also continued to be connected with a couple of other events that we did that were, because Ted does, a you can do a youth event, you can do a, a City 2.0 event, which is one we did recently here at WFYI. So I think keeping those connections going throughout the year is is a goal of ours. So I think adding to what we did last year, making sure we maintain that connection and figure out how we can know about it, because I'm sure those things happen. I heard from teachers, from a teacher last year, that the theme was design learning. So we focused a lot on education, and this was coming from the International School of Indiana. And I had a teacher tell me who um, who attended that he went back and changed his whole classroom around based on a talk that was about how your classroom should be set up. How do you design the, the physical space? And he went back the next day, changed his whole classroom around. And I just heard from him again, and he's coming back this year and is excited about being able to be there for that day and excited about what he can do with the things he learns this time. Will there be a TEDx event next year? Yes. When, yes. Well, we have been talking about the TEDx conference in Indy. You have been listening to No Limits. I am John Crawl. Thank you for joining us. No Limits is a production of 90.1 WFYI Public Radio, Indianapolis. Producer, Sharon Allset. Interactive Media Coordinator, Melissa Davis. Technical Producer, Jeanette Rhodes. And Board Engineer, Don Hibschweiler. We invite you to join us each week for No Limits, made available through IPBS, Indiana's public broadcasting stations.